Welcome back, film fans, to a brand new episode of Quality Check Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Posey, and joining me to my left, Drew Douglas. It's me. I feel like I'm not done that in the longest time that open. This is... We haven't done a movie in... Probably three years, right? (laughs) Yeah, about six and a half years. It's felt like it. Um, We haven't done a movie. We haven't covered a movie since Avengers Endgame, and that came out in April. It is June right now, folks. That seems wild. We're doing a twofer. Twofer, baby. We had to come back in style. We had to slash our way back for this. Thank you for joining us, film fans. If you don't know what Quality Check is, we normally cover movies. For the last two months, we've spent a lot of time in the fifth dimension for covering the rebooted series Twilight Zone. If you want to listen to those episodes, go on and do that. Those are all available, pretty much broken down per episode. For this, we will cover Brightburn and Ma. Before we get to that, we have trailer talk. I haven't done this in a long time. Yeah, we're bringing this back. We're excited. There are three movies that we're covering here. First up, Terminator Dark Fate. Second, Once Upon a Time, dot, 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 and Hollywood. That's how you got to say it. Then we also have Child's Play, another slasher horror film. First up... You ready to dive into Terminator Dark Fate? I don't want to. Come with me if you want to live. Looks like crap. <laughs> it does. <It> looks awful. <laughs> so, initial thoughts on Terminator Dark Fate. I'll have to be honest. Whenever we first heard about this coming out, I rolled my eyes so hard, I almost passed out. I didn't roll my eyes, but after watching this preview, I'm like, stop doing these. And I dumb. hate to say that because... If you like it, that's awesome. You got something to look forward to. They're bringing back Linda Hamilton. Uh, James Cameron is back. They're Even both. though, by the way, he plugged Terminator Genesis up and down and talked about how that was a Revolutionizing. Gun, uh, an awesome movie that was part of the canon. It was awful. Got to be honest. I love the first Terminator. T2, easily one of my favorite movies of all time. Masterpiece. Could could very well be my favorite movie of all time. It's up there. It is high on my list. It's not even James Cameron's best movie, but it's awesome. It's amazing. Here's the thing. After that, they all start going downhill. I had more fun with Rise of the Machines, Terminator 3, more than a lot of people. But after that, not a fan. And you know what? It's been a long time. But I, I kind of remember liking Salvation. Salvation was one of those movies that... I felt like it wasn't a Terminator movie, but it was. It was a very interesting watch. But Anton Yelchin? I can't honestly can't say I'm a fan of the Terminator series now because we've had more bad than good. I need to rewatch Genesis. I, I really remember hating it. I'm oh, I'm kind wow. of wanting to watch it again. I just remember the John Connor twist was really stupid. I don't and know. again, spoiled in the preview. Yep. I, don't, I honestly don't know if I can go back and rewatch that. At least with this preview, they don't show a lot. But what they show is a lot of CG that doesn't look good. Yep. In the latest preview during the NBA Finals, and I had to rewind it to make sure I, I heard this correct. Linda Hamilton like throws a grenade or something, and it explodes, and she says, I'll be back. And I seriously almost disconnected my Apple TV <laughs> and uh, threw it away. Uh, there was this talk that Tim Miller, who did Deadpool... Didn't see eye to eye with Ryan Reynolds and the writers on what to do with Deadpool 2. He wanted it to go big. Reynolds and company did not. Mm. And this looks like, he's, he directed this, and this looks like a project where he's basically been given the reins to do whatever he wants. I just The whole thing looks awful. It looks like they're definitely trying to capitalize on the action scenes that made Terminator 2 so great. And honestly, 
in the entire franchise, each film has typically one set piece. That is a lot of fun. That's cool. But I don't know. I really, at this point, I, I, don't, I don't have a good feel. My first, my initial gut reaction is, no, I won't do it. I'm not going to get fooled again. I was fooled with Genesis. But you're going to see it, right? After I feel t- like I'm going to see it. And it, it could, maybe it turns out well. So there were technically two trailers or teasers because the first one, I did not see Linda Hamilton utter the words, I'll be back. She didn't say that. That was a TV spot. It was it yeah. was all the same thing minus that scene, which I had not seen in, in theaters. And that TV spot I saw just earlier today, and I watched it. And I was really thrown off because I watched all the trailers, or teasers rather, including the one where James Cameron and Tim Miller, and they talk a little bit to Arnold, and they have also Linda Hamilton speaking in terms of why they're excited for this French, for this film. I and, know why. Well, just money. Bags of money. Yeah. Big bags of money. But Genesis didn't do that well. I'm no, going to say it like, they, I don't even know if it broke even. Probably not. They're getting paid no matter what, even sure. if this movie tanks. It's it's fun to have Linda and Arnold back. It's fun to have Cameron back. I really love Mackenzie Davis. You think, well, She's yeah. so awesome. So uh, it's kind of a bummer to see... Um, maybe she's in something big like this and ends up stinking. So speaking of Mackenzie Davis, I saw her really for the first first time in Tully. I don't remember seeing her. I, I did not watch Halt and Catch Fire. I need to. But I loved her in Tully. I'm excited to see her in a film like this. She looks like she can kick some serious ass in a an action film. She's awesome. So that, I, The best thing I could say about this preview, and Arnold brought this up, I think he tweeted or put it on Instagram, it's... Here's the preview that doesn't spoil anything. That's nice. That's nice. It is. So maybe we're just seeing a, a glimpse of something and it's, I mean, I still feel like they show a lot just in yeah. terms of why well, we know we're going to have an action sequence in the sky. Sure. And the other thing is this Terminator or the, uh, the villain, I should say, Robert Patrick set the bar so high that this guy, I'm just like, I want Robert Patrick back. He looks like a goof. He looks like. I don't, I mean, I don't even know. <laughs> Who cares? Next movie. Next. Next. So uh, overall, would you, for for you, with Terminator Dark Fate, excited, not excited? Not excited. And I would say if we were not going to cover it, which I would imagine we are, and I'm rolling my eyes right <laughs> yeah. now, then I probably would not see that in theaters. So loves it, hates it, scale, you hates it. Hates it for Me sure. Me too. Next up, let's go with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. This town, I can all change like that. This is something that we have cracked jokes on. I have cracked jokes on. It's the ninth film it's by QT. It's the ninth film by Quentin Tarantino. It's like, who cares? But I, <laughs> I got to say, of a season of movies where I've gradually... I'm just not in, excited for many of these movies this summer, if I'm being completely sure. honest. Me other, too. Other than Midsummer, which looks incredible. Looks awesome. And Spider-Man Far From Home, because I really love Spider-Man. Um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has snuck up as my most anticipated, besides Midsummer. It looks... The first preview was cool. This new trailer is amazing. The, the teaser for Once Upon a Time, I'm like, eh, it's, it, it looks like fun. But I can't really say it hooked me. This one hooked me. Two words. Brad Pitt. 
Okay, well that's good. I would, that's he he's up there. Oh, I thought you were gonna say Brad. I would have bet money you were gonna say Brad Pitt. Kurt Russell. Oh yeah. And here's a theory. There's a theory going around online that Kurt Russell plays stuntman Mike, who's from Death Proof, another Quentin Tarantino film, which is set in the which is set years after Once Upon a Time. It's like seventies or eighties. I think it's like eighties, right? You know, I don't know. Well, there's a theory that stuntman Mike. From Death Proof, this is his older brother, who Kurt Russell is playing in Once Upon a Time. Clone. That would be fun. And there's cloning. Uh, yeah, it's. Ex- I didn't know he was in it, so it's cool to see him. Brad Pitt looks amazing. Physically, he looks amazing. He does. Like, does like, this guy? Does, he's got a better body than me, and I literally work out five times a week. F- I was going to say five times a day. Uh, no, I don't have time for that. I wish I did. <laughs> But um, you know who does? Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt has a lot of free time, apparently. <laughs> he looks amazing. He, I, and so what, what is, you need to do, apparently, is just toke all day. Cause he, yeah. he, but that had the opposite effect on me he, when I was in college and smoked. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was eating a lot. I'll say this. One, this movie looks amazing. And two, uh, I'm, I talked to you about this. I'm, I'm not a huge Tarantino fan. I don't dislike him. I think a lot of his movies are great. Um, you think a bit overrated? Maybe a tad overrated. He just seems like kind of a turd to me. But well, I, I am going to go back and rewatch all his movies. I, I'm going to start with Death Proof. So this, that's the one that I've had had the most sour taste in my mouth after seeing yeah. it. I saw it one time in theaters and I hated it. Me too. But I want to go back and watch it. I want to watch all all of these leading up to this movie, which I think could be the best movie, uh, one of the best movies of the year, the most entertaining. And I think, honestly, I'm calling this right now. And this might have been said online, so I'm sorry if I'm stealing Ooh. it. Brad Pitt, Oscar nomination. Uh, coming out of Cannes, he is up there at the top. People say he steals the show. I have talked to you about this before, that I love when we see DiCaprio in an element that is not what we usually see him in. And mm-hmm. we, we saw that with Django. And it looks like QT is going to do that in this one where he mm. is an actor playing all these wacky characters. <laughs> and we get to see him having all these quips when he's killing Nazis and stuff that you wouldn't usually see from a DiCaprio picture. I'm excited for that. And then of course his cast is amazing. And I'm wondering, I think you're right. This Brad Pitt is going to connect DiCaprio and that story with the Manson story Mm -hmm. and the last act will be a bloodbath. Yeah. So prediction of ours, we were talking about this. When did we talk about this? It was was not in recording, but it was just at work randomly. We were just chatting just like a quick, you know, two minute conversation, but after seeing the trailer, we said, uh, you know, with seeing Pitt, there's a scene where we see Manson, Charlie Manson, look up at Brad as he's like working on an antenna or shingles shirt, or something like shirt that. Shirt off, skin glistening in the sun. Just, you know. They lock eyes. He is just a figment of imagination, he more or less. He's a specimen right now. And he's amazing. And he's, what is he, 54? I would say he's pushing 60 i would say the but brad pitt is pushing 60 i, I would think, think so. so i don't think he ages but yeah he's 55 okay so mid 50s does not look like he's got the body past of a 27 year old man who yeah. works out amazing so the theory that we have is we see charlie manson look at brad pitt's character and then he's brought it looks like brad pitt's brought to like this farm or this home where the mansons are staying we believe that it's going to end up being this character that Pitt's playing. He is not on board for what they're doing. He's not okay with that. He sees what's happening. He rebels against them. He gets 
uh, DiCaprio's character to basically rise up. We know that Leo in this, he's not happy with his career and where it's going, so maybe they become the saviors of Hollywood or so they think they are, and they're a little too late, and then the end is just going to be a total you know, bloodbath, QT style, where they're just slaughtering the Manson family, a little bit like what they did with Inglorious Bastards, and they showed the team just killing off Hitler and his crew. I think that's probably going to be similar to the Manson family storyline in this movie, but apparently the third act is nuts. And I know, and, and it's interesting that this has premiered already, mm-hmm. two months ahead of release, and what Tarantino says is, do not spoil this movie, please, which makes me think there's going to be, we're going to have a lot of deaths, I would imagine. There's sure. going to be some wild third act that he doesn't want out. I'm, I'm kind of surprised this has actually already played out. Well, and also, he claims the cut that is already out, that premiered at Cannes, is like two hours and 40 minutes. He's thinking of making one, releasing a film that's even longer than that. He says he would like to add to it. He shot much more, and... Did, was he involved? So Netflix has, Netflix has released mm-hmm. this... Um, the Hateful Eight? Yeah, I don't know it's what they're calling it. It's, it, it's four series, but it's it's like an extended cut. Yeah. Is he involved with that? That's the one... I believe so. That is the only QT movie I have not seen. I might save that for the last... Okay. You know, for, for my last one because of that. And, you know, Kurt Russell is returning with Tarantino. This there, makes number three. There is something that happens in Hateful Eight about Kurt Russell that adds to his enigma, I feel like. And Is it when he destroyed that priceless guitar? <laughs> <laughs> it's close to it. He felt so I bad know. about that. I remember um, I remember hearing about that and just he was seemed devastated. S- genuinely yeah. distraught about what happened. Well, it's that that's not it, but everyone's reaction whenever he d- did that is genuine because they're freaking out that he he did do that. Why would they I guess my question is why even risk having an actual Guitar like that. I there. feel like that's a hijinks by QT where he's like, you know what? Let's throw on this guitar. I want to see if he'll actually do it. I I just have a feeling. I don't know. Because it's like if he, if but I, I haven't seen the movie, I don't know if it's how heavy it plays into the plot if he's playing it and you need it to sound good or whatever. But why even risk it? It, it honestly plays off very natural. And I think that's the reason why. Like it makes sense why it happened that way. But um, anyways, going back to the Kurt Russell story, there's something that happens in the um, Hateful Eight for the film. Don't tell me. I won't say, but it's about the character. It's a choice he makes as an actor that QT said he's a class act. This is why I love him, and this is why I love Kurt Russell. Everyone on set was praising Kurt Russell for his choice in this. Once you see it, I'll talk to you about it. I'm looking forward to watching that again and watching Jackie Brown again. And I always really like Django and... Um, Reservoir. And, and, no, that's actually one of my least favorite. Oh. Again, that could change when I rewatch it. Sure. But I really liked Inglorious Bastards. Um, do you know... So Quentin Tarantino really loves Russell. Yeah. Do you know what his favorite Russell film is? I don't. The one where he plays Santa Claus for Netflix. Oh. <laughs> I can't even. Can't I, Santa Claus Chronicles. Oh, yeah. I couldn't, even, I couldn't remember what it was called, so I couldn't pay that joke it's off. It's because right. of that beard and mustache. So we both want to see that. Loves that. Loves it. Let's go to the third one. We saw the new preview. Child's Play. For Child's Play before uh, Brightburn. Mm-hmm. And I got a big question for you. Yeah. Why are we not seeing Chucky move or talk? That's scary. And this movie comes out in like one month. It's scary, not in terms of like the film's going to be scary, but that is very concerning 
What are we doing? A viewer. I don't know. That's odd. It's about Chucky. Show me Chucky. Now, I told you that the behind the scenes that I watched recently after seeing that trailer, they were talking, the filmmakers were talking about how they're dealing with this film as an animatronic Chucky. No CGI. They're cutting down on CGI heavily. They probably don't have the budget for it. Well, and we hear Mark Hamill at the end of the trailer say something like, come play with me, that Andy, was like or whatever. That not even the new one. Yeah. The new preview that we got, it doesn't have that. And we d- and it's the it's extent. like a laugh? I don't even know if he laughs. I just, I that's my big question. And then I also have the big concern as this ends up looking like um, a kid team up where they have to yep. destroy chi- uh, for Chucky. It looks like it. They're taking a page from it. Yeah, it's like we need a ragtag group of kids to come together and and beat Chuck. Is this PG thirteen? Do we think? I bet it's R. Well, with that, with the I can't imagine it though. I don't know. With the kids, kids teaming up, I bet it's not that you couldn't do that. But I just feel like money wise, they need it. I like the idea of child play being modernized. It's where it's okay. Good. But it's um, incorporating technology into Chucky and where we are right now. I think that's actually really smart. It's a great idea. The problem is, again, we don't see Chucky, and it makes me wonder what he's going to look like and why we're not seeing it because we are really close to the release date. And then I'm not a huge Aubrey Plaza fan. Loves it, hates it. I'm kind of in between because I'm mm-hmm. kind of interested because of these concerns that we have. I just want to see how it turns out. My other concern, I don't think it's going to be very gory, and I'm looking for a little bit of a gore fest. Well, if it's R, I, I would bet it is. So loves it, hates it, you're right in the middle. You're I don't know, whatever is in between that. It's like kind of... I love it, hate it relationship. It's more, <laughs> I guess it's more confusion, so I would say hates it, but I'm still itching to see this movie. I'll see it. We'll see it. We'll I would, we're going cover, yeah. to cover this. And, and if you get a chance... I believe the first one is on Cinemax, but two and three are on Cinemax. So I'm going to rewatch mm. all those. I need to see the newer ones, like The Seed of Chucky, Bride of Chucky. Well, the newest, newest ones, decent, right? those are silly, but they do like Curse and Cult of Chucky. That's it. But like Mancini's involved in all those, and he's not involved in this, and this does not have his blessing. Yeah. So that's the other thing. I'm going with Hate Set. Yeah, I am too. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, I'm going to see it though. Yeah. I'll see it. I'll see it and be excited for it. And if the reviews are rotten, it'll make me even more excited. I think I'll go dressed up as Andy Dwyer to see this movie. Well, he joins the uh, army at one point. (laughs) The third one, or he's like in some military camp or something. I love Zim. All right. Let's now turn our attention. Yeah. I want to talk about Once Upon a Time again. Once, yeah. Well, well, we should just do a QT day. Yeah, QT day of all of his films. I wonder what that total runtime will be. Probably two days of just all nine movies. Let's turn our attention now to Brightburn. Maybe there is something wrong with Brandon. I will never turn against our son. He's not my son. Do you know who David Yarovesky is? I never heard of this man. I feel like he he's familiar. He yeah. directed this film. His name isn't on a ton of stuff. He directed the 2014 sci-fi horror movie The Hive, which yeah. stars Sean Gunn. The Gunn family is heavily involved in this. 
Um, we'll get to that in a second. But Yaravesky also starred in Guardians of the Galaxy. He's credited oh. as a goth ravager. <laughs> so he knows both Sean Gunn and James Gunn. The movie was written by Brian Gunn, who is James Gunn's brother, and Mark Gunn, who is James Gunn's cousin. How many freaking gun guys are there? There are four gun brothers and a gun sister. Is she involved in filmmaking, I wonder? You know, I think she has an, uh, or a wiki page, so I would imagine she does something in pop culture. Hmm. Brightburn came out on May 24th, 2019. Budget, I'm seeing between 6 and $12 million, so we'll say about 10 Box office, and I kind of have a theory on this, and we'll get into this, because um, I remember seeing a ton of previews for this before movies in recent months. Hasn't done much good. Mm. With this weekend's tally, it's been out, I think, three weeks now. It's made 14 mil here in the U.S. with what it's made total, about $24 million. Not good. I guess it's okay if it's it costs a, so cheap, but it, yeah. this is basically a bomb. It made its money back. But whenever you end up expanding it outside of the U.S., those costs start to add up. And, yeah, it's not good. I would say the ambition for this movie to carry on its own universe did not pay off. Rotten Tomatoes score. Which a tease. You notice something that this is kind of tied into some other film. Again, connected to James Gunn. Everything mm-hmm. goes back to James Gunn with this. Rotten Tomatoes score, 57%. Which is, I guess, not too bad. Middle of the road, I'd say. The cast includes Elizabeth Banks, David Denman, you might know him from The Office, Jackson Dunn, who plays the little boy who goes on a killing spree in this, and then Matt Jones, he played Badger on Breaking Bad. Matt Jones. Love Matt Jones. Here's the plot. Tell me me if this has you licking your chops. Okay, I'm ready. A young alien boy raised on Earth realizes he has superpowers and soon starts using them to terrorize his town. That sounds familiar. Sounds familiar. Hmm, and that I town's wonder. name is Brightburn, Kansas. <gasps> That's where Brightburn comes into play. This is obviously twisting the idea of Superman. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily a new idea. Because the Snyder version. In Snyder, well, he didn't turn evil. He, he, did, a lot of, he yeah. did a lot of damage, but he wasn't <laughs> evil. Uh, it's been done, this idea has been done several times, most notably, I would say, with Superman Red Sun. It's a comic miniseries. Have you ever read it? No, but I've heard of it. It's when Superman doesn't land on a Kansas farm. Instead, he lands in the Soviet Union. It's a fun little twist. Love on it. it. It's a really good series. I would say, let's get into some overall thoughts here. We, we saw a lot actually, of previews, and I was just like, I'm not going to rush out into theaters to see that. We were kind of talked into seeing this movie, wouldn't you say? We would, because I had no intention of seeing it. And then a friend saw it and asked us, you know, are we going to cover it? And we hadn't done a movie in a while, and mm-hmm. we knew we wanted to do Maud, and we thought, that's a good pairing. Mm-hmm. Let's pair it with Maud. It's a couple May thrillers. And this has a weird connection I want to bring up, this and Ma. And I don't know about you. Um, I would like to have kids at some point. Mm-hmm. And both of these movies really made me kind of reevaluate that decision. Because <laughs> they're both dealing with kids and you're just like, I don't know if I can handle that. And where where would they go wrong? I mean, you don't know. That's all a gamble. Where they go, oh, these kids are misbehaving. One goes on a killing spring. <laughs> the others are drinking and toking it up every day. And, just and that smashing. terrifies me. Yeah, they're, they're, they're trying to get their... Uh, <laughs> non-stop <laughs> uh, I mean with that being said we're talking about this movie 
I wasn't super interested in seeing it, but I'll say I, watching it, and it took a little... Are you still laughing about that? I'm laughing because of that scene whenever we have uh, Brandon and he's uh, his dad is talking to him about when it's okay to, you know, play, play with, with it. He's, he's like, play with what? And he's like, you know, you're... And then that night he flies off to his school crush, hides behind her curtain, and I guess it's insinuated that he's just playing a tune. I don't know about that. I think he was just creeping on her and it was kind of making a move. What's weird is his dad tells him it's okay to play with his wee-wee after finding his quote-unquote porn stash, which consists of like newspaper clippings uh, or I guess like magazine clippings of bikinis and then the human body, like these graphic pictures. I'm like, that's not the time to tell your kid to be playing with himself because something something is clearly wrong. Um, But just going back to this, like I said, we were not going to cover this. I actually got pretty invested in this movie. I did too. It. I think it's a pretty good example of I'm going to sit in a theater and I want you to entertain me for 90 minutes. I don't want to think about anything. Mm-hmm. Just entertain me. And I think it's actually pretty su- successful. And it really picks up when Brandon, who is the little boy in this movie, he's our little, he's our little Clark Kent. He breaks bad and starts killing people. I love that Matt Jones has been in the midst of two characters breaking bad. One's a little boy who basically, he's like a little Hitler with superpowers. He is nuts. He go, he loses it and really kind of gets off on it. And then <laughs> I also really like that this sets up its, old, its own, like the Marvel or DC. They're mm-hmm. setting up their own universe with characters. And this basically sets up its own... Um, I guess like an inverse version of it where we have bad Superman, we we preview or we kind of hint at a bad Aquaman type character, mm-hmm. a bad Wonder Woman. I found that actually pretty enticing. I was like, I'm yeah. all in on that. That sounds cool. Um, those are mainly the best things I can say was I, I was in on this movie. Whenever, before going into this, I, I would say that it seemed like taking this idea that Snyder, as we had suggested, uh, where he wanted to go, kind of touch a little bit on that, go like heavily dive into it. I was on board. I will say both Ma and Brightburn followed the same rule in terms of I got out of this movie after watching them both, I got what I wanted to. Exactly. So for this film, Brightburn, the things that I really liked for it, the bad superheroes, as you said, This universe will be a lot of fun to live in, and if we end up having multiple superheroes who become villains, supervillains, it's just cool to see, like, what would happen. I also want to see more Michael Rooker, who's just basically doing his best Alex Jones. (laughs) The other thing that's a lot of fun, we end up having this mythology of the superheroes mixed with this horror slasher vibe. There are some moments in this that I thought played out really well. My favorite, one one of my favorites, was given away in the trailer. I also didn't see it. You, given you away. spoiled one thing for me, I but did. these previews spoil two big ones. One is what you're about ready to say, and the other is a waitress pulling glass out of her eye. Yeah, and that's, I mean, when you end up having trailers do that, it's annoying whenever you're waiting for that moment. And if it were to play out and you had no idea that were to have happened, that would be a lot more uh scary like you the tension would just ratchet up to the point of where 
like the, I, I can't remember which one, but there was one scene, and I think it was where he goes. Brandon goes to the his aunt's house, and he goes to his aunt's house, and she's suspicious of his behavior for mm-hmm. one. And I'm I'm not kidding. I legitimately thought he was going to rape her. I was wondering how far they were going to go with this. Because, or do some weird sexual thing. And yeah, because I wondered if they were going down that road of the 70s exploitation films with that. Because he ends up saying, it, it sets it up that way. Knocks on the door and says, you don't want to tell the cops. If so, you're going to regret it, basically. And I really was nervous because as you, I was expecting something really bad. More than just him killing her like torturing her or like really tormenting her for a long period of time that was really terrifying imagine if that glass scene was not in the trailer and you see this waitress and now we have to show scenes of him like basically turning breaking bad makes sense but if they could just hold some of that without revealing at all imagine that scene not knowing what would happen and he flies in to kill this waitress in the the fringe of this restaurant i mean there are just certain th- scenes like that it'd be so cool and i'm almost i mentioned the the eye trauma the glass in the eye to you couldn't watch it and so you turn away in the in the three theater i i rarely do this but i had to close my eyes i do not like eye stuff was there another scene oh it's whenever mad jones draw jaw fell yeah off, that right? was gruesome but i liked it that's that's why i'm tuning in <laughs> I, I really enjoy the kills, but I cannot do eye stuff. I don't like head trauma either. Like there's one point where the where Brandon falls over and he hits his head on the ground. Oh, I don't like that. And he he wasn't hurt because he's like Superman, but I I just don't like head stuff. That was just cringe worthy. I'm just like, oh. Did something like that happen to you as a kid where you like fell back? I think and- I've talked about this on the pod before. As a child, I remember it was snowy and icy, and I was riding my bike home. Have I talked about this? I and remember I, talking to you about it, but I don't know if it was, was on the pod. Riding home and I hit a patch of ice, fell and hit my head, and like was knocked unconscious and woke up in someone's house. No, because they yeah, they saw me out there and were like, "What's going on?" And they they weren't being weird; they were helping sure. me out. It was like a neighbor. So I don't like head stuff. I don't like. I didn't have a helmet on, which is my own. Well, thing. it's scary but when something like that happens, and boom, out of nowhere, just like, you don't know what's happening next. Like, where am I? Could have it could have been very much like misery. Yeah, <laughs> as a kid, that would as be awful. Uh, but that's, I mean, it's just a, a phobia of mine. I don't like it. So that was disturbing. Sure. But I love the jaw bit. Literally loses his jaw and he's trying to, he's holding it together and then he lets it go and it falls off and he dies. That was intense. That's that disgusting. Was, that was more than I was expecting. Whenever, did this, you? This definitely goes in more of a horror element yeah. where it, it takes the gruesome kills further than I expected. I like that. I did you too. like that? Oh, yeah. I love okay. it. Okay. And I think if you're turned off by that kind of thing, you would. it would be tough to watch at times. I think this movie really gets going when he, like I said, when he breaks bat. And I love the horror stuff in this. Mm-hmm. Man, that jaw. I just keep thinking of how his jaw slammed into the steering wheel. Not only. he wa- So he watches... He's watching Matt Jones' character die. <laughs> and he goes and he takes, he like shoves his finger in on his bloody face, yeah. wipes away some blood, and then writes his little logo on the concrete. BB. BB. Brightburn. Well, so it stands for Brandon, uh, what was it? Brandon Breyer. That's it. And 
Brightburn. Brightburn. I assume yeah. he adopted that name. Both, he's yeah. a little. He's a, he twisted a little twerp in this movie. <laughs> yeah. He's like a. He's a very like a killer Dennis the Menace, basically. So I like Matt Jones. I liked Elizabeth Banks. I'm feel like the kid was fun. Kid's good, but I was. He was just very kid barely robotic. speaks. Yeah, but that that plays to his it, character. It works. Yeah, I think in this case it really plays to what he's trying to accomplish. And there's a moment too when he's been gone all night and his parents are freaking out, and he comes <laughs> home and he makes up this little lie about where he's been. And I was like, this kid is awful. And they're like, <laughs> he goes upstairs, and then Elizabeth Banks is like, he's lying. I was like, oh, he was acting as if he was bad. It's great. Did you like David Denman again from The Office? He was Pam's douche fiance for a couple seasons. Yeah. I liked him. He I think okay. when it has to get serious is when he doesn't do yes. as well. Yeah, yeah. He 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 was all right. Um, I kept thinking for some reason that he was played by Garrett Duluth. I believe that's his name. He was on. He, he's most recently on Fear the Walking Dead. I want to say he was also in Deadwood. Hmm, I don't know who that is. He looked a lot like him, and whenever I saw the trailer, that's I was like, "Is that Garrett?" And he's a he's a good actor. Oh, he's in Widows. He was the um, the limo driver for uh, Viola Davis, and he's the one who's got the Super Bowl ring. Most definitely not him. Yeah, and, and at first, and is a different human being. When I saw his face, Widows, man, I want to watch that again. You're right. That's maybe tonight. So we talked about some of the stuff we liked, mm-hmm. some of the stuff we didn't like. I think the first act is pretty rocky, and that is when they're really trying hard to make this feel like a serious Superman story in the vein of what Zack Snyder did with Man of Steel. Rocky and choppy. I felt like choppy. Yeah. there's it, The first 20 minutes, I was like, if this is what this is, I'm not going to be happy. And it mm-hmm. just, the homage is to Man of Steel. I mean, they literally lift cinematography, like the shots <laughs> from Man of Steel. And it came across as cheap to me. Yeah. It's just not, it doesn't have the the look of a Zack Snyder picture. What and if I, Snyder did this? He basically sets that up, not <laughs> to the extent that they go in Brightburn, but in Batman v Superman, the entire point of that movie is Superman, what happens if he actually does this? Mm-hmm. And we're putting our trust in him. And who decides what a hero is? Which I think are all really great ideas solid points yeah i don't know if it's executed you know necessarily that great i don't know if this movie necessarily has a lot of lot to say sure it's just like what if superman went bad and that that's it and Mm -hmm. and we watch as that happens so that's maybe some of the badness that i i didn't like in this and i also think too late in this movie as much fun as it is to watch a little boy terrorize people (laughs) like this is the omen again uh, it's a lot of just basically his parents running and hiding. It definitely seemed limited. I'll also say that I wish that it spent more time building up to the creepiness, this mystery, because it's more or less he just, we dive into it and he's possessed, as you said, this omen-style uh, storytelling. Um, that would have been nice to have seen, spent more time with him at school, learning more about him, and also outside of school. And but like you said, he's just kind of a robot, I guess. Yeah, and maybe they cut it down. I really wonder if they did cut this film down. This is a tight ninety minutes, which is which is really good. Mm-hmm. I kind of. Do you wish there was a more concrete reason why he suddenly goes bad? You know, that's one of the major complaints about the film. I'm okay with it not being that. I'm okay with him being possessed by 
It's basically his destiny. That's the yeah. way I read into That's it. That's how I took it too. Is I'm okay he was with sent that. here for this reason and when he he's starting to become possessed by this ship basically and it's feeding him this information that he's sent here to dominate and destroy. Maybe that was cool. Maybe if there was at the end during the mid credit scene or maybe even a post credit scene of them explaining there is, I don't know, another planet or ship. I don't, I don't think you do that. No? Just keep it. Because we're already vague. hinting at so much more that I think you saved that. That's a good point. Because everything everything now we have to connect it to something. And it's just like at some point we need to stop. Just well, not, make one good product. Not necessarily making it like trying to turn into a sequel, but just showing that connecting it to they turn this on, they're controlling this kid. They're like working as the puppet, if you will. I like the puppeteer. I like the mystery of not knowing. I'm okay. I think it works. Like I said, I'm okay with it. That would be be the only thing that if you could do differently about it, I think you could and and make that, I think, work. But I'm honestly, I didn't have a problem with that. It also cuts down on the time. Yeah, I was was all in on that. Any other things that you liked or didn't like? That's it, really. Because I have one thing. I want to go back to the box office. Okay. Because this is, I think there's two reasons why this has been a bomb. One, why is this coming out in May? Sandwich in between all these blockbusters. Sure. It's, I guess you could argue that it's alternative programming. For the people that yeah. have already seen Endgame or don't want to see Aladdin or whatever else came out that week. But this, I think, actually could do pretty well in late September, October. As hmm. a uh, horror film in the in the fall, do that. Why are we not doing that? I felt like this would be a good January, February release. Yeah, or January, February. But even that, we're starting to get like big movies then. True. I just think it fits into the Halloween area. And then we talked about how the first act tries so hard to be to like model itself after a Snyder Superman movie. And those tra- I remember when those trailers hit, they really relied on Man of Steel, that marketing, mm. and copying it. And I wonder if that actually caused confusion with people because I remember seeing oh. that preview in theaters and people muttering it to themselves that this is a Superman movie. They didn't understand it. Whoa. So I'm wondering if that the copying was done in such a way that people were confused mm. by what this was supposed to be. Hmm. Even though I feel like it's pretty obvious. Yeah. But this really, that first preview is basically the Man of Steel teaser. You also have to think that if you have people going to the theater who normally don't go as much as what we do, and they're seeing as many movies, they maybe go like, what, once a month, every other month, something like and that. this probably is not it. And yeah, and they see this movie, though, as a trailer, and they're like, wait a second, are they doing a prequel? And... This is Snyder finishing what he wanted to do, and this is the multi. Maybe they don't even get they into probably it. Probably don't much. even think about that. I just wondered about that too, and I also think superhero fatigue. People have that, even sure. though I this has its own spin. I think people maybe are turned off by the fact that it is comic, or it seems like it's a comic book ad- adaptation. Even though I think this is actually fun because of the spin. So, final grade for Brightburn. I'm slapping it with. B for Brightburn, B minus. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do too. I really, I would watch this again for sure. And I, would. I really, and I'm being serious, I would, I want more of these. I would, they could I, do I would it for $8 million and maybe make some money on it, then let's get it done. Well, the thing is, you end up having superheroes that they ended up doing something bad. 
it's going to be pretty graphic at times like this. Yeah, embrace the horror, embrace mm-hmm. the R rating. I mean, I I don't know. I was I was surprised by how much I was into it. Yeah, I'm down for it. I would say that the rewatchability is pretty high for me. And you go into this knowing exactly what you'll get. And with it being a breezy 90 minutes, more or less, that really added to it for me to be able to return to it. Superhero fatigue, I'm, at times I suffer from it and other times not so much. It's really weird. I'm in this really weird stage after Endgame. I'm not sure how I really feel in terms of superhero films. This went into it, did not feel like a superhero film, just felt like a, sl- a straight-up slasher film yeah, for the most it, it part. Was, it was a good blend. Yeah. Genre blend. YouTube moment. Do you have a YouTube moment for this by chance, for Brightburn? Hmm. Mine, I think has to be the Matt Jones. Yeah, I was going to say the 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 car on, or the truck on the highway. The gory whenever his mouth slams into the steering wheel. Just the, the whole setup of that because it's a dark highway, mm-hmm. his lights are turning on and off and we're seeing Brandon uh inch closer to the truck. We ready to move on? I want to move on. I can't wait to talk about our next film. What is our next movie? It's a little picture called Ma. Feel to be on the outside looking in. Let's get this party turned up. What are you doing? This is the most fun I've had in a long time. Tell me if this synopsis is attractive to you. A controlling loner lures a group of high school kids into her home with startling consequences. Take my money. Mom is written by Scotty Landis. Scotty, know what he's uh, most famous for? Um, a, a bunch of Adam Devine comedies. Yes. It's basically he's worked all with Adam Devine. Workaholics, he was... One of the main writers for that. I mean, this is not a comedy. No. I guess it kind of makes you want to make fun of these people, but... It makes me wonder, though, if this was written as like a spoof, and then they decided to turn it into more of a straight-up slasher. I I say it's not a comedy, though. I laughed a lot. True. From just sheer enjoyment, and then... I think it was kind of rooted in that, to a degree. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, I can't believe I'm, I'm watching some of this stuff. <laughs> we'll, you know? get in, we'll get into some of those one-liners, because as you said in the movie, it had me smiling at times when I'm like, this is just crazy. But I love it. It's insanity. Scotty also wrote for Adam Devine's House Party and the upcoming Netflix original, Green Beret's Guide to Surviving the Apocalypse. Ma was directed by Tate Taylor, who also directed Octavia Spencer in The Help. Taylor also directed The Girl on the Train and acted in one of his last acting roles, Winter's Bone in 2010. We also get to see him in front of the camera here. He was the officer who gets shot and killed by Ma toward the end of this film. He also directed Get On Up. You like Get On Up? It was not a favorite of mine. I really yeah. hated the structure. I, I remember thinking that it could have been a lot better. Bozeman's incredible. Yeah. I hated the time jumping around. I could not grasp why it was happening. Yeah, very strange. Lenny James is in that, I believe. Sure. As, as his father. So in front of the camera as well, let's continue on this path. Octavia Spencer mentioned her briefly earlier. She's known for the help, Hidden Figures. 
And she is going to be starring in Robert Zemeckis' upcoming reboot, The Witches. He's rebooting that? Yeah. He's got to do something to get his career back on track because it's derailed. I feel so bad for Zemeckis because I really like him as a filmmaker. But that's weird that I believe The Witches right now should be his next project. We also have Juliette Lewis. Juliet, known for Natural Born Killers, but my favorite, her role in Christmas Vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, Diana Silvers, she is most recently an actress in Booksmart. Now, you just saw Booksmart. I Thoughts? did. Um, overrated. But did you like Diana? I, I have no impression of her after seeing that. And lastly, we have a very surprised cameo out of nowhere. Who do we see working at the vet? She's basically the the head vet. She's in this maybe three and a half minutes. She won an Oscar a couple years ago. Her name is Allison Janney. Could not believe that. Had no idea she was in this movie. I couldn't figure this out. Why, why did she sign on to this? I don't understand it. It all makes perfect sense, though. She's in every one of his movies. She's been in all six. Oh, okay. So it's like, she's like his good, good luck charm, I would say. Okay. That makes complete sense. That, okay. Because we were talking about that. As soon as she came on screen, I'm like, wait, hold on. She's, is this- not, she's not in Eve, which is Taylor's next film. So he frequently works with Octavia Spencer mm-hmm. five times, Melissa McCarthy twice, Allison Janney six times, easily the most. Um, the next group of people are all in at least two movies. Luke Evans, Jessica Chastain, Viola Davis, and Missy Pyle. And this dates all the way back to 2003. That's when he worked with Spencer for the first time and Allison Janney for the movie Chicken Party, which I it's huh. I guess a short film. Never, I've never, never even it. heard of that, yeah. All I can think is of Chicken Run. And, so, he, and he is also in that one, too. Do you like Allison in this? She's playing Octavia's boss. You know, she, they, Ma works at a vet, uh, a vet clinic, mm-hmm. a veterinary clinic. Mm-hmm. And Janie is her boss and her, she's basically, she's pretty, she's constantly telling Ma to, to get back <laughs> to work, which I understand, but she's kind of mean. Yeah, she's rude. And... She's kind of mean to the animals, too, which I don't like. Yeah. So, no, I was not a fan. I don't like animal cruelty. In, well, I don't want to have to watch that. Yeah, that and, was... there's, and they don't really do that in this movie. There's one mm-hmm. scene that I was like, please, they, when you're introducing dogs and I know what this movie's about, I'm like, don't go where I yeah. think you're going to go, please. That, that's what I was expecting. That's one of my dislikes. I'll get into that when we do cover that. But Can I say one thing, yeah. too? Going back to Brightburn, there's a scene where the little boy is staring, watching the chickens, and he's, like, terrorizing oh, them. Oh, yeah. And I, at one point, there's no dogs in sight in that movie, but I'm glad there – I thought he was going to start killing animals, too, because well, it's set on this farm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's with more or less the a film that I saw last year, at the end of last year, The House That Jack Built. Do you ever see that yet, by the way? I haven't watched it yet. But he butchers those chickens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's very similar to that where, you know, he takes a serial killer approach where they start with animals. I was worried that a ma, it would dive into that a lot more. 
Instead, we get her terrorizing Peen before she ends up <laughs> terrorizing someone else. Speaking of that, we get to see Chris uh, or Luke Evans. I'm sorry, Luke Evans and his junk in this movie. There's no way that's his real junk. No, can't be. They're not letting Spencer, uh, actor <laughs> on actor, touching Peen. But um, what do you think about the Peen they gave Luke Evans? It's, it's nice. It's fine. Yeah. I'd say girthy, but it was it a was, satisfactory peen. You know, I yeah. if 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 we're rating peens, that's probably that's a good. That we'll say that's a three and a half to four. Yeah, I mean oh. he's he's tied to a bed. He's about ready to get <laughs> slaughtered, and is so you never know how your wiener's going to react. And I thought his looked fine. What is I'm curious for your your fill in the blank for this. I I had some. I don't even have up. one written down. I I had one that popped up. At the end of this, and it immediately came to mind. I got one. What's that? Ma is everything I wanted it to be. <laughs> well, that's basically I said for Brightburn and Ma. I, I could plug and play that for both of these. Ma was filthy fun, as I described it. Because, what I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, all that I wanted. What works in this film? Some of the things that you really liked overall. I mean, Octavia Spencer has to be one of those things, right? She just... She's was, awesome. She was chewing scenery as Ma. I loved it. I love... Going back to what we talked about with Brightburn, I like that this embraces the R rating. Yeah. I didn't know this was rated R until like the day before. Mm -hmm. And this is, it's not like a hard R, but it it warrants the R rating with some of the violence that happens. Like you said, Spencer's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And the best thing I can say is I wanted to see some trashy fun. (laughs) And this is trashy fun. Absolutely. Exactly. It's exactly what I wanted. I it's funny because I've been waiting to scratch this itch for a while, and we got it with this and Brightburn. I and got it with Serenity a couple months ago. I just oh. wanted something that was just filth. And this was it. No, overall though, would you say that it, it wasn't grotesque though? It really wasn't. No, I actually like found stomach it, churning. No, it's not Saw. Mm-hmm. It is a psychological horror film mm-hmm. where you kind of actually start feeling bad for Ma. <laughs> Yeah, and there's a reason why she behaves and why she's terrorizing these kids because she befriends these kids, mm-hmm. and she hooks them up with alcohol and she gives them a place to party, and they gradually realize maybe something is not right and they start kind of pushing away, and that's when Ma becomes obsessive. She won't stop texting them. She's video chatting them. She's following them on social media, and she takes it even further with what she starts doing with physical violence and all this stuff. And there's a reason why, which I don't think is good. We'll get into that. Okay. But yeah, I think, uh, I mean, it's not like ridiculous graphic violence. It's, it's a, it was creepy to me. Creepy funny. Yeah. Yeah. That's the best way to describe it. I really liked, and they even referenced John Hughes in this once whenever Juliette Lewis is on the couch. She's like, hey, come on, I'm binging John John Hughes. I feel like they use that as a basis for this film in terms of, hey, we want to tell a high school story, but flip it on its head where it's a slasher. Kind of like Scream, but I mean, that's not any, it's not self-referential or meta. Instead, we end up getting the storyline that is just bonkers, and that's a lot of fun. I really like the high school setting. I like this group of kids. Mm, I love that. Now, I'm never in while I was going to going through elementary, junior high, and the high school. I never like changed schools. I never moved to a different city or town. So I can't really relate to a character like that and the main character who we end up having here. But I 
do think that as far as like the friend circle, that they were a fun group to hang out with and spend a little bit of time with. I guess. I'll just spoil this right now. One of the things I didn't like is I didn't care if anybody died. Well, you know what I mean? Now, here's the there thing. There was nobody I was just like, oh, I love, I love. This is going to sound characters. bad. Here, here's the thing. I, I was really looking forward to the jock, the jock guy and then the, um, oh, what's her name? She's, she's the chatty uh, blonde girl who's known as like the popular girl. She was the, the, she was the group skank. Yeah. I was waiting for both of them. I, I thought, all right, it's going to get to a moment where Ma goes nuts on them. And she took it easy on them, I feel like. I don't know, man. What she does to the girl is pretty nasty. That's rough. And for the guy, though, the guy got off pretty easy, I feel. Yeah, but, he did. But I oh, assumed they, she was torturing them and then she was going to kill them, though. That was my guess. She just wanted that yearbook photo, though. She loved it. So there's a couple things about the production I want to talk about real sure. quick. Um, do you know how the story came about? No. Tate Taylor said he wanted to do something different. And he was talking with Octavia Spencer, who said... Like, I'm really sick of only being offered the same role over and over again, never getting a lead role. Mm -hmm. And that's how he came up with this idea. Mm. Basically, it was just like he had seen the script. It was like, I want this is perfect for Spencer. This is something she's never done before. Mm -hmm. So that's how they kind of got connected. And in the original screenplay, and we're going to get into why Ma does what she does, but there is no reason for why she's doing what she's doing. It's just left ambiguous. So she's basically a complete monster. <laughs> so they wanted to tweak that a little bit sure. to give her a good backstory why she's doing what she's doing. Okay. Let's talk about the backstory. Yes. They trick Ma into, or her name's not Ma. <laughs> her name is Ma, <laughs> but it's not Ma. Who we know as Ma, but it's Sue Ann. Sue Ann Ellington. And through the movie, we're getting this backstory when she's in high school. And we start to realize that all these kids that she's befriended in modern our modern time right now, she knew all of their parents. And they were all in on basically the sexual assault where Ma was met this boy that she thought or that she really liked in high school. She's in a closet in school and she gives him a sexual favor. And they leave the closet and it comes to find out it's not the boy she thought it was. They had tricked her. It was just some rando student. And she's been holding on to this for the last 20 years. That's pretty disgusting. It's basically, well, it's very close to, um, minus the whole sexual assault, very much so like Carrie. Fast forward a few years to the adult age. Kids survive, she survives. Mm -hmm. I just think, could we have come up with something that wasn't so disgusting? I just don't find that entertaining, uh, The using sexual, uh, like that kind of stuff yeah. as a... As a plot device well i'll say this i don't think that the backstory works all that well i was a letdown i kept wondering what was it that happened because it's obviously leading to this fact and i actually like the girl who played young sue ann like she was the 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 young girl i i, I was enjoying the flashbacks with her but I mean, a lot do of you, do you end up feeling sorry for sue El, sue ann ultimate i mean yeah what ends up happening but I and so I was kind of rooting her on to be honest. That's the part that and that's the other problem is you feel so bad for her that you actually want her to to take out yeah. to carry out her plan. Now for the adults, I was like she needs to get some revenge. On the kids, I mean they just happen to be the product of their environment more or less where well for their parents they're just 
the offspring, and it doesn't necessarily mean that they're bad. They weren't I bad. Did. They were just young kids who wanted huh. to party. Exactly. They're party people, you know? And Like, you and I are a couple of film guys. That's right. We but, just uh, <laughs> go, we go to see a lot of films all the time. But these nonstop. guys are party people. And I, for that, felt bad enough for her that I was like, you know what, Mom, go ahead. I want to you, see. I don't know. It's like you have my blessing. Yeah, exactly. Even though these, like you said, these kids didn't do anything and they're not actually, they're not annoying in like a bad way where you're like, man, I want them dead. I would say all of the adults are, except for Juliette Lewis, all of them are just kind of like wash ups. They're, they yeah. don't. And Ma is still yeah. struggling from that, but she's, I would say, probably. Relatively successful. I mean, Luke Evans is owns his own company, but they're all kind of miserable. Ma is. I think Ma's pretty miserable too. Ma's miserable, but there's a twist that we end up finding out. Did not see this coming. That she ends up having a daughter and she has her locked upstairs. We did not need that. Did that? I I thought that was very unnecessary. It's only done to set up the ending, which is the the girl helps the kids survive. Yep. That's the only reason you have that in here. That's another thing that I felt like did not work so well. I would have been more okay if Ma just used what happened in the past as her main revenge point to go after those who had wronged her. Because we don't know what happened to her husband correct or he ran off with she, another woman that's basically what she said yeah because she basically hates men she says they're all dogs yep and at one point she she tries to turn luke evans into a dog <laughs> <laughs> she injects him with dog blood slits his wrist lets him bleed out and at one point pulls his dick out and puts <sighs> a knife to it we see the towel she moves it up she reaches down we see the tip, and I remember. I, I feel like in the theater, I was like, "Ooh!" Instead of instead of having her daughter locked upstairs, I thought it was going to be her husband. Like she wouldn't let him escape. Now that would have been a cool story. And she's keeping him because she has such a vendetta against men. She's keeping him drugged up, and I thought that's where they were taking it. And mm-hmm. then they have this wheelchair girl. I, sh- I should have seen coming a mile away. I was expecting that she had kidnapped a girl. And she wouldn't let her leave. Yeah. And she's basically kind of the Dee Dee Blanchard where she's, yep. it's like Munchausen by proxy. Whenever I saw that, but I'm like, she's not right. really doing that. She's no, not yeah. using her daughter for attention because no one, do people know about the daughter? I guess they would because she goes to school every once in a while. She does, but, and I was expecting them to take that approach. And so you talking about the Blanchard story, a real life true crime story uh, where mother's using her daughter more or less. Um, to reap benefits and and capitalize on that. I thought she was going to do the same. And in this case, Sue Ann is more or less saying, don't go out in the real world. You'll just end up being terrorized and your life will be ruined by men. And she's making her sick because of that reason. She's not making her sick to try to use her in terms of like, all right, so you've got cancer. Now let's get money from St. Jude or something like that. And she's even doing that with our main character, she meets a boy that she likes and she's like, <laughs> be careful. They only want one thing. They're dogs. And one other thing I did like is this is was done on a $5 million budget. I mm-hmm. think they – there's only like six or seven settings and I think it works well. It's, I think so. It's like they're, it's all pretty self-contained but it, it, it works and it moves along pretty quick. I don't know how long this was. Probably it was a little longer than Brightburn, but it moved quick for me. This was 99 minutes. And, okay, that works. And speaking of, with it being such a uh, contained story, 
It was made for five million dollars, a Blumhouse production. It made Blumhouse, its- which I feel like at one point was kind of a. We didn't take it seriously, and then we started realizing, oh, they actually make really. They or they can make these stuff. really smart, cheap movies, and mm-hmm. they can do really well. And this film right now, it looks like it will end up making eighteen million in the opening weekend. I'm reading twenty one. Wow, so it's going up even more. Because what I'm reading now, this is Sunday afternoon, updates on the box office is Godzilla is not doing as well as predicted, maybe 47. Mm-hmm. And then Rock, you have Rocketman and Ma really eating some of the box office. Which is cool. I mean, I'm glad, once again, that horror films like this continue to make an impact. You know what so I thought was interesting, too? We go to the movie theater to see this, and our theater really consisted of people in our older adults mm-hmm. maybe late 20s mid 30s and 40s even older yeah didn't have any teens in ours yeah that i remember i was really surprised by that now granted we went at 10 50 in the morning it was is, early which is all right by me yeah overall what would you give this i'm gonna give this a b okay so it's a little it's bit a, higher than brightburn it's a loose b it is what it is i had a lot of fun that's all i wanted it's the it's a it's a light b it's a b minus I'm going with the exact same score for Brightburn, B minus. Now, of these two, these are two thrillers out in May. Which is better? Wow. Which would you want to watch again? That's tough because... I would rather watch Ma. I think Ma's a better movie, and I think I would, I would rather watch it again. You know, I may have to say Brightburn. I would watch that first. That one's a little... There's not as much fun to be had. That's right, yeah. It's not... There... As we were saying earlier, laughing and smiling a lot more in Ma than what I was expecting. I knew by the trailer, like, you end up having one-liners like, oh, you smell like your dad. Or my favorite is when she, which I got a question about this. Another great line, she's like, don't make me drink alone. And she just keeps repeating that. (laughs) She just wants him there. It doesn't matter. But she's not drinking, right? She doesn't drink. Uh, She says she doesn't. She takes a shot, I think, once. But it's just the idea of... You know, come here and party with me. You yeah. know, I want to I want to be hanging out. Another reason why I like this is at the very end of high school, there was a home that we treated kind of like Ma's, but it was a friend of ours and his parents. It was the basement. They ended up like loading up. There were a ton of snacks. There was like soda and there was there was never like any drinking, like pot smoking, anything like that. But it was just like a home where you Typically, there would be a lot of people who would go over, hang out, and then they disperse and go home. It was like where you went kind of in your off time, if you're looking for some time to kill. Did you ever have anything like that? I mean, I just had regular friends that I hung out with. It wasn't like, a, let's drive around in the van and get plastered. Yeah, and that we there wasn't anything like that. And a lot of times, we ended up having like video game tournaments. Yeah, I mean, Like Smash like Brothers, something like that. But um, yeah, we never got like ma crazy. But I'm glad that didn't happen. I think the rewatchability is pretty high overall. Both of these movies, I think, are good for, you know, it's fall, it's getting chilly, yeah. Halloween's coming up. That's when I love to really kind of dive into the horror films. This, and I think both these are good for that. This is, yeah, ex- exactly. I was going to say this is a movie I find streaming or maybe I end up buying them. Like, I'm going to pop this in because I just feel like seeing Ma go nuts on some kids. I loved it. I, I mean, I, I had a lot of fun with Ma. Both, I'd say both Ma and Brightburn, fun, as you said, exa- I went, got exactly what I expected to get. Well, film fans, thanks for joining us for our what seems to be first film podcast in quite some time. 
That's going to do it this time. Teaser for what's coming up next. We have June Pickums talking about our top three most anticipated things for pop culture coming out. Could be music, movies, TV shows, you name it. Our top three. So if you've got any, let us know what you're looking forward to in the month of June. You can let us know on Twitter by shooting us a tweet to Quality Check Pod. And until next time, look out for a deranged ma looking to lure you in and kill you. No matter where you're taking shots and eating pizza rolls with ma, Quality Check is part of the Studio DNA network. Head to Spreaker.com slash Studio DNA for more great podcasts.